0: Welcome back to Unwatchable, you guys. My name is Chloe, and I will be your host. Today, we are doing the second episode in my series, When It Became Unwatchable. I've already done an episode about The Office. If you guys haven't uh, given that one a listen, you should check it out. Really happy with how it turned out. In this series, we go through a show that started out really, really good, and unfortunately hit a point of decline. I feel like there are two points of decline in a series— One is the original point where the tone or the feel of the show starts to change, it starts to go downhill a little bit, and then there's a second point of decline in a lot of shows, and that is the point where it becomes unwatchable. And we are going to be analyzing the show, New Girl, to figure out when and why that happened. I also want to give a disclaimer that just because I do an episode about a show, that doesn't mean that I dislike that show. In fact, it's usually the opposite. It's usually a show that I like a lot and am very passionate about and really want to dive into. I mean, I've had to watch all of these shows multiple times in order to fully analyze them for episodes like this. So today we're going to look at one of my favorite shows, New Girl, We're going to go through every season, what its strengths and weaknesses are, and really dive into when and why it became unwatchable. This show was created by Elizabeth Merriweather, and she kind of based it off of her life when she first started living in L.A. and kind of bounced from Craigslist sublet to Craigslist sublet. It also has a bit of a Friends-type feel to it, However, while Friends premiered in the mid-90s and went until the mid-2000s and was based off of people in their 20s, New Girl kind of updated that a little bit. Meriwether wanted to focus on people in their early 30s because this is the time in your life where you develop in your maturity the most. This is when you're expected to really have your life together or start getting your life together and you have... That sense of urgency, your biological clock starts to tick, and she thought it would give it a more realistic feel for the modern times. She wanted to be very careful to strike the balance between, you know, making these people seem pathetic that they're all living together and, you know, making the show seem realistic and point out that you don't always have it together by the time you turn 30. A lot of shows focus on their 20s, and she really wanted to focus on the decade between 30 and 40. And I think that's something that's done really well in the show. When you're looking at the first season of a show, it generally goes one of two ways. Either the first season feels very different from the other seasons, the show is kind of struggling to find its footing, and it ends up seeming like almost a completely different show. And then the other way that it can go is that you come in with a very strong, developed sense right off the bat, and season one beholds some of the best episodes of the entire series because you're already coming in with a fully developed idea, purely exactly what it's supposed to be, and because you have such a strong voice, and because you have so many different stories and options ahead of you you can really be as creative as you want to be and i think new girl falls into this category i think it's a show that came in and has a very strong first season which is hard to do and is very unusual for a series the concept of the show is very simple after a bad breakup jess our lead character played by zoe deschanel moves into a loft in Los Angeles with three guys and kind of challenges their lifestyle because they're used to living as 30-year-old bachelors altogether, and she is a very uh, over-the-top optimistic and quirky person. And the pilot episode sets that up really well. It's a really great first episode of a show and a great way to introduce you to all of these characters. The cast is amazing. I'll go into it a little bit later, but I feel like the cast of New Girl is one of the best casts that I've seen in a sitcom, at least recently. Um, And the first season is really great because of it. One of my favorite episodes in the series is the episode Naked, where Jess walks in on Nick while he's dancing in his room naked. And that's the fourth episode of the entire series. Um, Another standout episode is episode 11, Jess and Julia, where we kind of delve into the idea of how girls fight when Nick's girlfriend is not a big fan of Jess. You get a big development between the relationship of Schmidt and Cece when they start sleeping together, Um, the secrets episode when everyone finds out in episode 19, is one of my all-time favorite episodes, and the season premiere, episode 24, See Ya where Nick is supposed to move in with Caroline and then freaks out and strands them all in the desert is also a super strong episode. And that's not to say that this season is perfect by any means, because it still does need to take the time to develop a lot of these characters. I think Winston is a prime example of that. Winston was not featured in the original pilot of this show. He wasn't a character. Um, they had Coach, played by... Damon Wayans Jr. He ended up getting cast in the show Happy Endings, which I believe was on ABC. And he ended up choosing that series over New Girl. So Coach had to be written out of the show. He is brought back in later seasons, and we'll touch on that in a moment. But in his stead, they created the character of Winston. And they're not really sure what to do with Winston or what his strengths are as much in the beginning of the series. Um, And he does definitely get fleshed out a little bit later. But that is an example of where the first season does fall a little bit flat. They don't really quite know how to best utilize Lamorne Morris and his talents. They also had to strike a balance with Jess's character. I know a criticism of this show at the beginning was that Jess was a little bit too quirky and too obnoxious and a little bit too out there for people's tastes. And I think their solution to that was to dial back a lot of her... Out their kind of weirdness and really dial up her naivete and optimism and that's the most relatable part about her I think that really saved her character but this is an example of the writers realizing you know what they have to focus on what characters they need to develop how they need to change things so that by the time we get to the end of this season it's really strong and you really care about the relationship between these characters And they're setting themselves up really well for a second season. Season two is my personal favorite. When I look through the episodes that I could watch again and again, most of them come from season two. And I think that's because they made the effort to transition into more of an ensemble feel instead of just focusing on Jess as the main character. Like I said earlier, I think the cast on this show is amazing. Uh, Max Greenfield as Schmidt. Um, Jake Johnson, who I love, playing Nick. You have Hannah Simone as Cece, and Lamorne Morris as Winston, who I personally think is the most underrated performer on this show. He is so good. I could not talk enough about Lamorne Morris. I think he is so underrated. So I think making the effort to focus on all of these characters and developing all of those relationships is really what puts season two at the top for me. My favorite episode from the entire series is in this season. It's episode two, Katie. This is an episode that features Josh Gad as Claw, who is one of my favorite recurring characters. He is just so freaking funny. I love Josh Gad. He's so adorable in this episode. This is when we're introduced to Dr. Sam, who is one of Jess's long-standing romantic interests throughout the show. Um, this is when we get to meet Winston's family, and we get to see Nick meeting who he believes to be his future self. It's just a ridiculous episode. It's amazing. We meet a lot of new characters in this season. We meet Tran, uh, <laughs> Nick's Old man best friend who never speaks. We meet him in episode seven. Uh, we meet Jess's parents in episode eight. In this season, we meet Robbie, Russell, Nadia. These are all recurring characters throughout the series. And we meet one of my personal favorite recurring characters, Elizabeth, played by Merritt Weaver. She's brought on to be Schmidt's ex girlfriend who he reconnects with and kind of develops a love triangle. With between him and her and Cece and she is just so fantastic. Merritt Weaver really makes this character someone who is so adorable, someone that you root for so much. Something that I love about that storyline is that it would be really easy to introduce Elizabeth as an obstacle between Schmidt and Cece's relationship and just make her a character that you're automatically supposed to dislike because she's standing in the way of the relationship that you want to root for, and they don't do that. How many times have you seen it in a show where a character is just introduced to be an obstacle and you're automatically just supposed to dislike that person because the character is not with the person you want them to be with? Kind of like Karen from The Office. You're supposed to dislike her, but she doesn't really do anything wrong. But Elizabeth isn't like that. She's very likable. I don't know if that's because we have a female showrunner at the helm of this. I don't know if it was a conscious decision on their part to not go that route, but it makes that whole love triangle a lot more interesting because you don't really know who exactly to root for and it makes it seem like a more relatable and real life situation. It's not catfighty. The storyline doesn't revolve around Elizabeth and Cece hating each other. I just think they do an excellent job with that storyline. And they kind of do the same thing later in the season with Cece's fiancé, Chevrang. It would have been so easy for them to kind of make him a condescending dick who doesn't appreciate her and blah blah blah. That storyline that we've seen a million times. But they also make him a very likable and sympathetic character, albeit a little bit less developed. When you're getting to the end of season two, it's not like the problem is that Schmidt and Cece are both in terrible relationships. The problem is that they're just not being honest about what they want. And to me, that's far more interesting because it's based in a sense of reality. You're also obviously getting the development between Jess and Nick and their will-they-won't-they relationship in this season. We see at the end of season one a relationship between Nick and Jess where their friendship towards each other is really deepening and it's becoming clear how much they truly care about one another and look out for one another and that only intensifies in season two. In episode 15 of this season, Cooler, we get their first official, like, kiss, whatever. Sounds very high school, but yeah, they kiss you guys. Oh my god. And then in the episodes that follow, the sexual tension between them becomes a main storyline. In episode 21, they go on their first date. And all of this leads up to episode 23, Virgins. This is the episode where they sleep together for the first time. I think this episode may be tied with Katie as my number one episode of the entire series. I just think it's one of the most hilarious episodes they've ever put out. It really gives every single character a chance to shine. It's so funny. Everyone just talks about the different ways they lost their virginities, who had the worst experience, and it's just hilarious. And then finally, we end on episode 25 of season two, Elaine's big day. This is the day of Cece's arranged marriage. Everything comes to a head in this episode. This is the episode where Nick and Jess are kind of forced to address why they are so tepid about admitting that they wanna be together. This is the episode where Cece and Schmidt finally realize that each of them have feelings for one another. I think what season two does really well is really building to this moment so that you get the biggest amount of payoff possible. We've been watching this entire season as every character develops either in their career or in their relationships, and it all cultivates into this one episode, which I love. The biggest downside for me about season two is that they still don't really seem to know what to do with Winston as a character. This is a long-running theme throughout the entire series. In season one, they kind of had him floating around and his whole storyline was about his career. And then in this season, he's kind of floating around and his storyline is all about his relationships. He really gets the weakest plot lines, in these first two seasons, which is a real shame. But his performance is still really good. In fact, I would say that season two is the best season as far as everyone's overall performance. I think this is really where the chemistry came together so well. And I think everyone just gives this season their all. So I really don't have much to say about season two that's negative. But then we get to season three. And this is where things start to take a turn. Season three is really when New Girl hit its height in popularity and got a lot of opportunities because of that. Not only were they given like the most coveted time slot airing an episode right after the Super Bowl, but they got Prince to guest star in it. Prince, like actual Prince, Prince. We also see the return of Damon Wayans Jr. To the cast, he becomes a series regular, reprising his role of coach that we originally saw in the pilot. Now, I think what I'm about to say is going to be a very unpopular opinion and feel free to disagree with me and yell at me in our comment section on Instagram. For me, the initial point of decline in this series comes in season three. So originally, when I sat down to record this, I had thought that the initial point in decline would come in episode seven, Coach, because Coach's reintegration into the show really changes up some of the dynamics, and I will be getting into that in a moment. So then, I thought that the point of decline had to come in episode three, Double Date, in which it's revealed that Schmidt has been cheating on Cece and Elizabeth and seeing both of them at the same time. However, I think the problem goes back even further. And as much as it pains me to say it, I think the initial point in decline in the show New Girl is in Season 3, Episode 1, All In. But how? How is that possible? How could you go from loving season two so much and singing its praises and thinking that the season finale of season two was so amazing, and now you're just gonna throw that all away in the season premiere of season three? Absolutely, take a shot every time I just said season. Because when I really think about it, yes, Coach did change things, and yes, Schmidt does become very unlikable, But I really think that the initial thing that changes the entire feel of the show is when Jess and Nick finally get together. Oh God, I have so much to say about this and I feel like so many people are going to hate this opinion, but maybe some people will agree with me and uh, I don't know, I'm just gonna put it out there and I'm gonna say some unpopular things, so get ready. So in the season premiere of season three, Jess and Nick finally decide to get all in on their relationship and be together, but then they're a little bit afraid of actually doing that in the real world, and so they flee to Mexico so that they can try to work out their relationship and not have to deal with any outside factors. And this is like the kind of weird and like immature thinking that follows them throughout like the entire course of their relationship, which is fine because it's a television show, But it gets really draining after a while. It really sets the precedent for what their relationship is going to be like, and it's just not super fun to watch to be honest. It seems like every episode that they're together in season 3 is kind of the same. Nick is really upset because he's insecure and thinks that Jess is too good for him, so he does something to piss her off. Jess is really upset and feels insecure because she's afraid that Nick is going to leave her because he's so insecure and she feels like she can't really fully be honest with him and so they're both just like not being fully honest with each other. Which is interesting but kind of a letdown considering that there's been 50 episodes previously that really make you root for them together. And then once they get together, you're like, oh, okay, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for, for 25 hours of my life that I've given to this show. And they drag that out for 20 episodes of these characters being together so much so that by the time they do break up in episode 20, Mars Landing, you kind of are relieved. Liz Merriweather has talked about how this was done intentionally, they couldn't really figure out how they were going to keep the ensemble feel of the show while having Jess and Nick work as their own separate relationship unit, and it almost seems like they were backed into a corner in a way, where you know, this is the natural time to get these two characters together, but they really didn't feel like Jess or Nick were developed enough to be able to handle a serious relationship. And so they kind of wrote it in a way where the relationship is obviously not going to work out, which is kind of an interesting level of sabotage on the writer's part. It is kind of unusual to have so much build-up for a will-they-won't-they romance and then ultimately prove to your audience that these people should never have been together in the first place. Uh, That is an interesting concept, and I guess it does say something about life, because not every relationship works the way you think it will, but it is a little tiresome. And I think it takes away from the characters a lot, because for 20 episodes, you're kind of seeing Jess be like, the naggy and put-upon girlfriend and then you're seeing Nick being like the insecure and like needy boyfriend who can't do anything right and it's just not pleasant at a point. And I think this would be redeemable if there were other things happening throughout the course of season 3 that were really big pros But to be honest, there are a lot of other blind spots. Schmidt becomes a super unlikable character. After Cece and Elizabeth both dump him for cheating on them, he kind of goes into, like, this revenge spiral and for some reason tries to, like, break up Nick and Jess and, like, becomes borderline evil for a period of time, which is very weird. There's also a weird storyline where he, like, moves out of the loft, but he moves down the hall, and he's still, like, always around, and it was clearly done in an effort to, like, squeeze Coach in, and ultimately it leads nowhere. And then there's Coach. Coach comes back in episode 7 and stays for the duration of seasons 3 and 4, however, I'm gonna tackle my issues with Coach just right here all in one go. So that I don't have to talk about it again in season four. Coach never really feels like he fully fits into the series and honestly I think the only reason that he was able to last as a character for so long is because Damon Waynes Jr. is so talented. It's just another example of the actors on this show being able to really elevate the writing and really elevate the characters even when they aren't as fleshed out. I mean, he's obviously part of the Wayans family, so what else can I say? Of course he's good. But I feel like they'd never really flesh out his character and he's coming in 56 episodes deep and what can you really do at that point? It is nice that he's kind of like a player, but then they give him like a sensitive side like he gets really nervous when he's dating CeCe and When he starts working at Jess's school, he has, like, a soft spot for the kids. Then they just kind of give him random shit. Like, all of a sudden, he's afraid of boats in one episode. And then in another episode, he's, like, an expert on women because he has sisters or something. Like, they just kind of throw random stuff at him. And I think it just throws off the core of the group because... Schmidt and Nick and Jess have already been well-established characters. In season three, Winston finally gets a hook. They finally decide that he's going to become a cop and that becomes his big thing. So finally, when that character is starting to get fleshed out more, they introduce another character who's just floating around once again with not much to do. It's like they can never find that sweet spot of everyone being fully developed and realized and it's frustrating but that's not to say that season three is all bad of course we have not reached the point where the series becomes unwatchable there are some really good episodes in this season episode three double date is a pretty good episode um Winston is actually really funny in this episode trying to like reserve a table for everybody. The moment at the end when Cece finds out that Schmidt's been cheating on her is a really good moment. I think Hannah Simone is great in that episode. The Michael Keaton episode, episode six, where we find out that Schmidt thinks that Michael Keaton is like his best friend and it's really Nick just writing him emails. Um, That's one of my favorite episodes. That's just such a stupid, ridiculous idea and I love it. I'm a fan of the sillies, and that one is pretty silly. To be honest, the Prince episode is not that great in my opinion, but there are some really good elements to it. And I think he's actually a really great guest star. Episode 15, X's. that's a great episode. We get to see Caroline again. Maybe an unpopular opinion, but I actually really like Caroline. And I think it's interesting in this episode how you know, throughout the previous seasons, we've been told that Caroline really screwed Nick over and that she's been terrible to him and mistreated him. And we're kind of getting another side to that story. And we're seeing how Nick kind of mistreated Caroline in a lot of ways. And that's really interesting to me. So there are some really great episodes of this season. Uh, and then there's also a weird three episode arc where Jess has a random sister who we never really hear from again, so we'll just skip over that because I don't know what that was about. I feel like when I start these episodes, I try to sound very contained and professional and then as it goes on, I just start getting more and more passionate and colloquial and (laughs) lose my cool, so (laughs) whoops. Let's get into season four. I think in a lot of ways season four is kind of a return to form uh from season three. It reminds me of season one in a lot of ways because Jess and Nick are no longer a couple, Schmidt and Cece are no longer a couple. So we're kind of getting that return to Single friends, in their 30s, trying to sort out their life. To be honest, at this point, I don't have that much to say about season four. I think it's a pretty standard season. I don't think anything incredible really happens in it, aside from Fawn Moscato. Fawn Moscato is played by Zoe Lister-Jones. She's a city councilwoman who Schmidt starts to date and she's very controlling and manipulative and very much into her public image as a politician. I think she is a character that you're kind of supposed to dislike because you want Schmidt and Cece to get back together but I just can't help but really love her. I feel like she's a character that you are either kind of sick of her shtick, or you really like it and I just happen to really like it. I also really like the fact that we're seeing a lot more of Winston in this season um, as he applies to become a police officer. Other than that, nothing really happens of particular note until we get to the end of season four, episode 22, Clean Break. I think this is the best episode of season four. This is where we get the departure of Coach. He moves to New York to live with his girlfriend. And I think the send-off that they give him is actually really nice. I think his relationship with her has developed his character a lot more and made him seem like a real person and not just a guy who blows a whistle in every episode. I love the whole bit with Jess and Nick's sex mug that they would put out every time they wanted, like, alone time in the loft and this kind of concept of each of them thinking that the other person might still be attracted to them and what that means and what it's like to live with your ex which i thought was really interesting and then we're finally getting the culmination of the will they won't they romance between schmidt and cece they both declare their love for each other and get engaged overall i thought it was a fantastic conclusion to the season elizabeth merriweather has said before that the writers don't have a lot of plans for the season. They just come in and they kind of go where the show wants them to go. And part of that process is that the actors really guide the process of the writing and really help develop these characters and are allowed to give out their own story ideas. That's really obvious to me in season four, especially when we're looking at Cece's character, I think over time Cece's character starts to soften a lot. She starts off as kind of being a very like rough around the edges, blunt, uh, mean character. I mean there's a whole episode where she talks about how she is a mean person and she's proud of that. And season four is really where that starts to soften and I think she starts to become a lot more like Hannah Simone, the woman who plays her. I also think they really dive into the chemistry between Max Greenfield and Jake Johnson for lack of a better term and team up Nick and Schmidt like more than ever in this season I mean they start going into business with one another season four is just a little bit stagnant for me I don't know if the performances are like at their best in this season although they're certainly not bad I think if they had ended the series here it would have been a perfectly fine conclusion and They would have been going out when they were still relatively pretty good, Um, but we still have a few more seasons to cover. I'm just gonna say it, I do not like season 5 really at all, however I think we still have not reached that magical point where the series becomes unwatchable. That does come a little bit later, but I think season 5 has a lot to do with that moment. Season three is a little bit all over the place. Season four is a little bit stagnant. And season five is a little disconnected. In fairness, I think the first two episodes of this season are really strong. I especially love episode two, What About Fred, where Jess just dates like the most boring person in the world, but he has the most amazing parents and she like really just wants to date him so that she can be friends with his parents. I think that's a great episode. Taryn Killam is a guest star. Henry Winkler is a guest star. Julie Haggerty is a guest star. All of them are just amazing. That episode is a standout. But once again, outside factors come in and kind of throw them for a loop. And in this case, that was Zoe Deschanel's maternity leave. So to write her out of the show while she goes and has a baby, they give Jess jury duty, and her jury is sequestered, meaning she, you know, has to be away from everybody for an extended period of time, uh, which is a pretty decent excuse for writing her out of the show. She's gone for six episodes, and to make up for her absence, they bring in Megan Fox to play Reagan. But her character is pretty one-note, I mean, she's just kind of a hot pharmaceutical sales rep who's a little bit of a lone wolf and doesn't really want to become a part of anything going on in the loft but then wouldn't you know it she grows to love everyone and they all become friends she's also there to serve as a love interest for Nick which also kind of doesn't really make any sense because we're once again bringing out the like needy and insecure side of Nick that's really annoying after an extended period of time and of course it extends for the duration of the season. Meanwhile, there's the whole storyline of Cece and Schmidt planning their wedding, and that's pretty boring because I think at the point where Cece and Schmidt actually get together, both of their characters kind of become flat and just boring people, honestly. Meanwhile, Winston is just becoming weirder and weirder. which I kind of enjoy, but also just kind of doesn't make any sense. I mean, I do like his whole will-they-won't-they they with Ali, played by Nassim Pedrad, who I'm a huge fan of. But I don't know, I think the overall problem with New Girl is that they get so thrown for a loop when it comes to introducing or reintroducing or getting rid of characters, it just sends them into a spiral. Season one got thrown off when Coach had to leave and they had to bring in Winston. Season three gets kind of thrown off when you bring Coach back. Then he leaves at the end of season four. Now season five, Jess is leaving and we're introducing a new character. It just kind of never stops. And I think that's why season two is so great and is like so solid, because They're not really having to struggle with any of those things. They can just keep it the way that it is with the characters that they're supposed to have. And it's really, like, the show at its purest form. And after that, they just start to spiral a lot. I mean, there's always moments of the show that are funny. Like, I love uh, episode 19 of season 4, Dress, where (laughs) Cece and Winston get so caught up in wedding dress shopping that they just, like black out and buy the worst dress possible. I really like it when they bring Dr. Sam back as Jess's love interest and we realize that there's someone else who he really should be with who he's not with because he's with Jess. At least there are some really interesting moments in season five and it's all culminating at the end in, of course, Schmidt and Cece's wedding I feel like season five could have been a fitting conclusion to the series as a whole, with just a few minor tweaks. Because we are seeing Schmidt and Cece finally getting together, we're seeing Winston achieving his career goals, Jess has a pretty stable career at this point, too. And even though I root for her with Sam more than I ever rooted for her with Nick, it's obvious that the writers saw Jess and Nick as the end goal. So let's think about how we could have made that happen. Instead of focusing on the Reagan storyline or even bringing Reagan in, we could have focused it on the fact that Nick decides that he really does want to be with Jess and he feels like he's in a better place in his life or he's working towards getting to a more secure place in his life so that when she does come back from jury duty, they can have a nice little reunion and the rest of the end of season five is about them trying to figure out how to get back together and then it happens at the wedding. I don't know but I feel like if we had left it there it would have been a season that didn't feel so disconnected. Schmidt and Cece are basically a unit throughout this season. Jess is obviously gone. Reagan and Nick are a unit. Winston and Allie are acting like a unit. You don't get that ensemble feel from this season and I think if it had been the season that they ended the show on, that probably would not have been the case. I think they would have tried to wrap up all of their stories collectively and honestly I feel like they should have. So we are about to get into the moment that I think signifies the moment that New Girl became unwatchable. But before we do, I really want to reflect on what I said before. I think New Girl is a really good show. I think the casting is really awesome. And I think the thing that I really loved about it, especially in those early seasons, is that it had a female voice. It's created by and run by a woman with Zoe Deschanel playing the lead character, Jessica Day, who is an extremely girly and feminine person, and you really see how her strengths come from her femininity. If we're looking at characteristics that are generally associated with women, um, she is very nurturing and very caring and able to steer her male counterparts into the right direction. That's not to say that men don't also have some of those characteristics, but I think the thing that I love about that character is that they make her very girly and very feminine without making her seem vain or shallow or ditzy or any number of other traits that are associated with the one-dimensional quote-unquote girly girl type of character. I just think that was really well done and I think De Deschanel is honestly really hilarious in this show and because I didn't touch on that earlier I just really wanted to put that out there before I dive into uh, some more of the negative aspects of this series as a whole. I think it is really important to touch on the fact that it was very female-driven and has a very female forward viewpoint in a lot of ways and I think that's really what gives it a different tone to a lot of other sitcoms about friends, you know, hanging out and just goofing around with each other. I think having that distinct viewpoint is really something that sets it apart. All right, so we've reached it. What is the moment, you might be asking? Well, the sad thing about this is that if I play you an audio clip of the moment like I did in my episode about The Office, you're going to think, what am I listening to here? And that's because season six doesn't start off with anything particularly interesting. In my episode about The Office, there was a distinct moment where Andy becomes manager, and that signifies the point of no return in the series. With New Girl, the point of no return of the series is all of season six itself. There's a lot of problems with this season. It's very clear at this point in the series that they've run out of ideas. The storylines are pretty stale, the characters are stagnant. It's kind of a hodgepodge of mediocrity, and I know that sounds very harsh, but that's why it's very hard for me to pinpoint any one second that summarizes how bad it is. Because it's not bad in the way that it's offensive or poorly done. It's just bad in the sense that it's boring. But I am a woman of my word, so please enjoy this audio clip that I think signifies the moment that New Girl became unwatchable. Damn it! This is an alert? I did not need to know that the riblet sandwich is back. How long does it take to respond to a house offer? Breathe, okay? We will find out about the house when we find out about the house. You're right. All right. You're right. We're fine. Okay, we're fine, we're fine. I'm so excited! We're getting a house! Well, Chloe, that didn't sound like much of anything. That wasn't interesting. Why did you make me listen to it? Well... It's actually a lot more significant than you think. So that was season six, episode one, House Hunt, and that was the very first opening scene. And to me, it summarizes a big reason why New Girl is especially hard to watch in its final two seasons. A show that started off being about friendship and an ensemble and young people trying to figure their lives out and have a lot of fun along the way, has at this point deteriorated into a show about couples doing couple things. And it's especially the marriage between Schmidt and Cece that makes the show uninteresting to me, frankly. Not that I don't like them together, but it seems that once they finally pair off, the whole purpose of their characters becomes their relationship and you're not really getting as many comedic moments between them. Schmidt kind of just turns into like a doting husband and everything that he has to deal with is basically about like building a house and moving things in and like being a husband and later a father. And while that's not necessarily bad per se, they don't really do it in a very interesting way. Cece's personality is significantly changed. I really liked their dynamic before because they were both people who were kind of out for themselves. Like, they were both kind of mean people, but they had a soft spot in their hearts for one another. And that was really endearing. Whereas, by the time they've reached Season 6, they've kind of sanded down the edges and they are not super dynamic anymore. Directly after this scene, we catch up with Winston and Allie and their whole thing is that they're doing long distance now, which, alright. And Jess's entire storyline is just centered around Nick and how she's not over Nick and how she wants to be with him and she can't live her life and she can't do anything because all she thinks about is Nick. And they really take out a lot of the dimension that they had given her previously. Frankly, the person who gets the best storyline in season six is Nick. I love how they mature his character at this point. He is running a bar. he's writing and getting the Pepperwood Chronicles published. It seems like they've actually changed him for the better and made him a more mature character, which I think would make sense after starting out in his early 30s and now he's going into his late 30s. But I think the show kind of falls into the trap that Liz Merriweather was afraid of creating back in season three when she was afraid of putting Nick and Jess together for an extended period of time. It falls into the pitfall of now you've coupled off all of your lead characters, really, and there's not much else to do except for create plot lines around what it's like to be in a serious relationship, or what it's like to get married, or try to have kids, or try to get engaged. And while those are all well and good, when they're happening with all of your characters all at once, it kind of takes away the variety. It also gets you away from what people were drawn to in the first place, and that's all of these people being friends and being young and figuring things out. To draw a comparison, I think the show Friends was able to do that in a much better way because they spaced things out. You know, Chandler and Monica were like the first characters to really solidify a relationship and be in a marriage. Ross was the first character who had a really solid career. Phoebe and Mike get together in later seasons, but they don't get married until season 10. And Monica and Chandler having kids is like a continuing storyline throughout a few seasons. So it doesn't seem like everything is just happening with all of them right off the bat. These storylines about, you know, different landmarks in your life that signify maturing aren't happening to all of these characters all at once. And so it's a lot more spaced out and a lot more interesting. In New Girl it kind of seems like everyone is pairing off all at once really and yes Jess and Nick are yet to be together at this point in season six but you know it's going to happen. And there are some things that I really do like about season six. I like that Robbie comes back as a character and he's paired with Jess really well. Um, I think episode 14, The Hike, where they find out that they're cousins. Is actually kind of hilarious. Now the way that season six ends is very interesting because everybody was under the impression that the show would not be back for a seventh season so they wrote the ending of season six to be the ending for the show if need be and boy did they just pack it all in they took like literally every type of series finale trope you could possibly think of and they shoved it all in to their last episode of the season season six episode 22 five stars for Beezus Allie helps Winston track down his father Cece finds out that she's pregnant and Jess and Nick finally realize that they should be together and they reunite and i do have to say i actually do like that final scene where nick and jess are each trying to get up to the loft and see each other and they keep missing each other and then finally they reunite in the elevator i did think that was a really cute scene and a really nice metaphor for their relationship and how you know it's never been a very straightforward one there's been like a lot of ups and downs and whatever get cheesy with it I enjoyed it, and I kind of wish that they had ended it there. Once again, like I said about Season 4 and Season 5, they could have just left Season 6 where it was. Season 7 is eight episodes long. They do a three-year time jump in between Season 6 and Season 7, which was very unnecessary. I would really love it if shows could stop doing unnecessary time jumps. I can think of maybe a handful of times that the time jump thing has worked, it's such a big fad happening in television right now, and people just need to cool their frickin' jets, all right? The reason time jumps really tick me off is because I feel like they are a last minute attempt to add freshness into a series. It's like, oh, we're getting stale and running out of ideas? Well, why don't we just go into the future in five years for absolutely no reason and give you what should have been an epilogue but is now the rest of the series and let's drag it out. And uh, I could go on and on, but you get what I'm saying. Everyone stop doing time jumps. Anyway, New Girl season seven starts with a three year time jump. And at this point, not only are the characters boring, they're just plain unlikable. Like the biggest thing happening in Schmidt's life is that he has a mustache now and like Cece and Schmidt's daughter is like kind of a brat. And Cece is, like, continuing to be boring, but then there's, like, a random storyline where they talk about how, like, when she was pregnant, she was, like, an awful human being, and it's, like, so unlikable that it's not even funny. And then Jess and Nick are super aggravating because we're just seeing rehashed plot lines between the two of them where neither of them are being really honest with each other about what they really want, and we've seen that throughout the entire course of their relationship, And at this point, it's just so grating. The whole season really revolves around the fact that Nick wants to propose to Jess and can't for a bunch of bullshit reasons that could easily be solved if he just talked to her, which is the most aggravating part of their entire relationship. I think season seven is just a prime example of a show that has completely run out of ideas grasping at straws and going for tropes that have been done before and it really throws off the dynamics of these characters and that was the whole point of the show to begin with. Now they've all moved on and they've all got lives of their own and the whole season they're trying to like piece together reasons why they would all be meeting up at the loft again and kind of trying to hold on to what they once had and it's just not realistic for the place that the characters are in now. I think they did themselves a disservice by going on for seven seasons when really they just needed four or five. And the stuff that really worked in the earlier seasons just doesn't really work anymore. I've always said that New Girl is one of the loudest shows you could ever watch. There's always somebody screaming in every episode, usually Nick, but everyone at some point just start screaming in every single episode. It's not an easy show to watch when you're trying to fall asleep. And they also do that thing where like a lot of dialogue overlaps. It's just the way that they talk is very different. A lot of their jokes come from just repeating the same thing over and over again. I'm thinking back to Nick's whole you got me cookie gave you cookie bit, which I always think is hilarious. And those work for the earlier seasons because it's a writing style, and it's new, and it's distinct, but in the later episodes, it just seems forced. I don't have much to say about any one particular episode of season 7, because to be honest, they all kind of blend together to me, and there's only eight of them. There aren't really any particular standouts to me. Um, I would say that episode 6, Mario, which is the episode where Nick and Jess finally get engaged, is a little bit disappointing I feel like they gave the huge proposal build-up to Schmidt and Cece and by the time it rolled around to Nick and Jess they kind of just threw it out there and they were like okay I guess this is how they're getting engaged it's kind of not a memorable moment and the last episode of the entire series season 7 episode 8 N. Graham Pattersky is wrapped up when nick and jess are evicted from the loft everyone packs up all their stuff and kind of goes down memory lane with all the things that they're packing up and then at the end it's revealed that they never had to move it was all a prank by winston kind of another example of them just throwing random character traits out to winston and trying to see what sticks In the later episodes they like lean so hard into the fact that Winston loves pranks and it was a great gag at first but they just run it into the ground. It's also an excuse for them to give like random people a little guest spot like oh we see Fawn Moscato again we see Principal Forest again. It's not a super memorable finale and I don't like the ending scene where they find out that it's all a prank because then it just seems like none of it really matters, but whatever. I just think that if they had chosen to end the series sooner they could have avoided what essentially all comes down to running out of steam and running out of ideas and just trying to keep trucking along when they didn't really have any gas left in the tank. And for me, that all is set off by the opening of season 6 in the episode House Hunt. It's not a memorable scene, and it sets a precedent for season 6 and 7 to also be unmemorable. So that's why it earns my spot as the moment when New Girl became unwatchable. I think New Girl is one of those shows where when it was good, it was really good, and it was great, and had so many good things going for it and unfortunately they lost some of that along the way but I think the constant throughout the series is the cast being so strong and having such great chemistry and I think a lot of that is in part to Elizabeth Merriweather being committed to letting the characters develop through the actors and giving the actors input and sometimes a collaborative environment makes all the difference. At the end of the day, this is a show that I really love, and I rewatch all the time, even if I'm only re-watching the earlier seasons. I just think sometimes a decline of a show is inevitable, and it doesn't matter how great it starts out. Creatively, there's only so far that you can go with something, and that doesn't mean that the people who work on it aren't talented, It just means that everything runs its course. And I think it's significant that New Girl is still a show that a lot of people talk about, even though its last episode aired nearly two years ago, on May 15th, 2018. It's still streamed all the time, people still talk about it all the time. It's a very well-loved show. It was nominated for five Golden Globes, five Emmys... Zoe Deschanel won a Critics' Choice Award for Best Lead Actress in a Comedy Series. This is a comedy that a lot of people are drawn to and a lot of people relate to. And despite all of the changes that it went through and all the shifts in cast members, it was able to sustain itself for seven years. And at the end of the day, that really says something. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of When It Became Unwatchable. If you have any suggestions for other shows that you want me to do an episode about, please leave them in the comments. Be sure to leave a review and a five-star rating, and I will see you guys next week on another episode of Unwatchable.